Welcome to the No BS Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global hospitality and short-term rental industry with a focus on founder stories, current events, and culture. I'm Mateo Bradford-Vasquez. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside take on the hospitality industry like no other podcast can. We appreciate your support. So let's make this official. Make sure to like, follow, and leave a review for the No BS Pod on your favorite podcast listening platforms. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel as well. While you're there, please like, listen, and subscribe. And oh yeah, make sure to hit the notification button to stay up to date on all of the exciting things that No BS Productions has coming up. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Morning, brother. I am good. How are you? I'm great. We're back. We, we had some changes. We had some things we had to go ahead and put in place. We had to establish some things. Number one, derailed is done. It's by the time we listen to this podcast is out, the, we finished derailed. I'm really excited about that project. Yeah. If you haven't listened to derailed, go to derailedpodcast.com. Give it a listen. No BS Productions, which we'll talk about in just a second. We put out this amazing fictional murder mystery podcast. It takes place in the short-term rental world with a lot of our friends in the industry, starring roles with Cassiola and so many. But yeah. go to derailedpodcast.com, 13 episodes. It's an amazing murder mystery with lots of your friends that work in the industry that are lended their voice acting talents that we didn't even realize that we had voice acting talents. Or right. I'm using air quotes talents for me as one of the starring roles. Mateo and I are both stars <laughs> in, in this. But definitely want to go ahead and check it out if you haven't checked that out. Also, we went ahead and we're legit. Mateo and I are co-founders and partners in No BS Productions. They'll see you now. So I'm excited. We went out on our own. So we're doing things a little bit differently and we're excited for a little different format, but focusing and like a little more bespoke, a little more focused, but the same old us and still focus on inclusivity, still focused on hospitality and short-term rentals and still focused on just culture. It's the beginning of a new path for us. We want to always bring new and creative ideas and energy to the space. And I think this is going to be a platform for us to continue to do that, continue to do what we've always wanted to do with No BS, which is be an open and honest platform for conversation to learn about people within our space, go deep in a real and authentic way and to produce content and to produce projects that nobody's thought of to do new and fun things that will highlight our industry and those in it and the businesses in it in a way that was uniquely our brand and our, our, our fingerprint and to do what we've always done, shine light and highlight others and keep growing with this space in new, fun and creative ways. We love pushing the yeah, envelope. Pushing the envelope. With that, we have amazing guests. We've been wanting to get Adrian Johnson from a Seabreeze Vacation on for quite a while. And without further ado, joining us from Anna Maria Island is Adrian Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. So I think I've listened to every one of your pods so far. And you've listened to every one of our pods. I don't think I've missed one. It was, I'll be honest, with the title at the start, the no BS is really the way we do business. So that really like resonating is we've got something to say, whether it's to a guest, whether it's to an, that's the way we are. I've always worked that way and it's always worked well. It's like that honest approach and 
don't cover it up, say it the way it is. I think I've upset a few people during the years, but I love it. That's the way it goes. Adrian, you quite honestly could be the only person that's listened to <laughs> one of our podcasts. You're making me sound like an Andrew right now. It's, it's amazing. And thank you. We appreciate it. It's in. It was interesting. So I had an opportunity to meet with you in person. I was probably, what, two years ago now. I was, yeah, it's at least yeah, close to two years ago. We were, I was down in Anna Maria and I had an opportunity to stop in and I saw your phone booth, your red, very European, very British phone booth outside of yep. your office and had an opportunity to meet with you and it was fantastic. And we had a great time, grabbed a bite to eat. But let's talk about your story. It, you have an interesting story. You've been coming to Anna Maria Island for 22 years now? 23? Yeah, my first, yeah, it was early, early 2000 was the first time I ever come to Anna Maria Island. I worked out here, so I worked in the UK, lived in the UK, managed a project, used to be in electronic security in the UK, managed a project out here, ended up working in Sarasota. One Sunday morning, over here alone, thought, let's go for a drive around. Drove up Longboat Key onto Annemarie Island and just fell in love. It was like I'd arrived in paradise. The sun was shining back over in England. It was dry, overcast and miserable. It was really didn't want to leave. Cut a long story short, we'd come out that year on vacation. Came out several times a year after that on vacation. We bought our first vacation rental in 2003. Fell in love with that short-term rental. There wasn't too many around. We worked with property, with a property manager. That worked quite well for a while. Then I decided I'd love to live on Annemarie Island. It took me 10 years to convince the wife to move. She eventually gave in and we moved out here full time in 20, June, 2011. Didn't get into short-term rentals then. We'd moved part of our business from the UK again, like I said, in electronic security, we used to manufacture surveillance cameras, hardware and software. Okay. We sold that business in 2016, which gave us the opportunity to start thinking about what our next chapter was, what we'd be doing next. And I'd always said all the years we've been working with property managers, I didn't feel that I could do it better. I felt I could do it differently. And a lot of that was my frustration that I'd, and each property manager we worked with, I had different frustrations. Some was great at one thing, others were great at another. So over the years, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if I was a property manager, I'd do this, I'd do that, I'd do this differently. I was fortunate. I thought I'd be able to do that when I retired in my sixties. I was fortunate to be able to do that in my forties. So Seabreeze started in 2017. We bought our first property on in 2018. Now we manage around a hundred properties and that's where we want to stay. We feel that's a number that we can manage. That's the service, the level of service we want to provide. We can do that well for a hundred properties. Any more than that, I think we would struggle without having to start staffing up. And then you've got the issues around that. It comes back to what is your definition of scale and what is your definition of success? If a hundred properties for you and your family is success and you can manage it and you're not overtaxed and you feel like you have a handle and a hold on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to build, it's great. I don't believe that success is measured by the number of properties. We definitely see that with our competitors. When we first started, literally as we started Seabreeze Vacation, Island Real Estate had just sold out to Vacasa. And I didn't really know too much about Vacasa at that time. I was like a owner that was in the space, not a property manager in the space. So I'd heard of them, didn't really know too much about them. And I was thinking, what's going to happen? But I thought, no, let's go for it. And to be honest, that was probably the best thing that could have happened. A lot of our first owners, Island Real Estate done a great job. They provided that, that family 
type service, that like mom and pop shop. The owners that were with them liked that. They weren't getting that with Vacasa. All of a sudden, instead of being Mr. Smith, they were property one, two, three, four, five. So we instantly was able to pick up our first few properties because of that transition. I was nervous about doing it at that time, but I couldn't have chose a better time to do it, to be honest. It was great. And nearly all those owners are still with us today. That's crazy. Wow, that is crazy. That's loyalty. It's the key. shows that you're definitely doing something right. They're sticking around because changing is, especially with the way your owners are and being unhappy seems to be quite frequent. What was one of the things that when you first got into this business, especially coming from somewhere so different, property management, right? You're in the security space, a very different industry. What was one of the biggest kind of, for lack of a better word, oh shit moments that you had when you first started? They just caught you off guard that you didn't expect. I think the, probably the thing that wasn't probably really an oh shit moment, the first thing I noticed, I went to the BRMA conference it was in Orlando in 2016. And I was like, the only properties we managed were the two that we owned. I was very green, very naive in the space. It was the friendliness of everyone. Steve Swab was doing a presentation and I was looking at different property management systems and the Streamline booth was absolutely rammed and I was struggling to actually get any, everybody, Streamline was talking to all their existing vendors, me managing two properties, wasn't really getting any attention from anybody in the hall to start off with. Steve literally grabbed me by the arm, took me down to the Streamline booth, introduced me, and I got like the full pitch. And I was thinking, wow, I ju just wasn't used to that level of like friendliness in the security space. Everybody was very secretive over what they were doing. You would never talk to your competitors. And then the more I got to talk to people there, the more networking I'd done. I've come away from that with a bunch of email addresses. I got sample owner agreements. I got sample postcards. I was on phone calls with other property managers. Obviously not on the island, but within Florida and just couldn't believe that was like the first oh wow moment that I come up with. The oh shit moments, I think, was the changeover day. It was, we used to have the cleaner that used to clean our properties. It was the work that needs to be done between 10 and 4. And not that it was a disaster at the start. We'd only got a few properties, so we were able to keep it under control. But that was like, that was probably the biggest shock I had was the amount to work, like the military operation you need to have between when the guest leaves at 10 and the next guest checks in at four and making sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed in every home. So that was what really got our focus at the start was that change over there. It's a whole logistics play. It's a whole it really you know, is. on the spot operation that you have to be clockwork. And every guest wants to get in early and every guest is giving you pressure during the day to get in early, but you want to deliver that guest a property that feels that it's been prepared for them, not that they've taken over from the previous guest. It's managing that turn. And I don't think enough attention is brought to that as far as when the attention is brought and is put in the forefront of the property manager and it's a priority. That's when look at the reviews. These are huge things. These aren't small things. This attention to detail this is first impression stuff. This is the stuff, hey, I open that door and it, it smells clean. It looks clean. It's neat. It's tidy. Nothing bothers me, my wife, more going into a beach destination, sand. That's sand. two grains of sand and that guest is like complaining about everything like, all like, week. This should be clean. And now I'm in, I kick my flops off. I'm walking barefoot. And then I got that sand. I'm like, oh, son of a gun. It's interesting. You said your oh wow moment. You and I share that oh wow moment because I, I came from finance and it very not 
open, very not collegial, very not the, oh, hey, we're competitors. He's a great guy though. And we should definitely yep. talk and learn from him. I, that was actually something that struck me too with that. That Orlando was that my first conference as well. I didn't know where the hell I was. It was super, is this real? Like a little surreal? But it was great. It's actually one of the things that I, that really made this industry grab me because it is, it made me realize hospitality has to do with people and relationships. And I really enjoyed that. I guess my question to you is, do we still have that? Do you well, think I think it's actually got better, if I'm honest, over the last few years. I think post-COVID, I think it's got better. So I've got vendors that will call me now that some of the software we use, they've got other people looking at it. I'll spend as much time on the phone with them, like repaying that favor that I was given. And I think the more people that you do that to, the more people that are prepared to pass that on. And I'm definitely seeing the conferences. I don't think it's I know more people now that's making me feel like that, but everybody just wants to help. If you've got a problem, there's somebody that's had that problem before and they will work with you. Never frightened to pick up the phone and discuss anything with anybody, even locally on the island, say there's, they occasionally on have lunch with one of like our competitors and we just talk business, talk what's happening on the island, what's the market like for that. And I would never have done that in my previous life in security. It was, this is what we're working on. These are my secrets. I'm not telling you what we're doing. Right. It's just, yeah. I tend to agree with that as well. Even more recently in my role as a director of sales, I'm still chatting with key people, our competitors, but talking to them, their colleagues, their friends of mine, and we're not sharing like talk NDA shit, but we're talking industry stuff and we're sharing ideas and we're talking about, and maybe there's two or three of us in this software that's, Hey, what are we going to do about what they're doing over there? But it's all friendly in a way that I never saw before. I came in at the same time as Mateo and I didn't make much money and that's nothing get my first role at what. Like the money is the reason I stayed in the industry. It was the people and I've worked my way up and things have turned for the much better, but it definitely wasn't the money to getting into it. It was the people. Talk to us about where you are today. In 2017, you had your two properties and you yep. started Seabreeze and you were just managing those and now you're at a hundred and you had some crazy years. You had, you've gone through the COVID years, which is in Florida was Oh my God, the sky is falling. Never mind. It's amazing. Um, yep. matter of Within like six weeks. Point, yeah. It was crazy. Everyone was ready to quit and, but you're here, survived it. You narrowly missed a huge hurricane that devastated south of you last year. So I couldn't even imagine personally being an owner and operating in a hurricane destination and riding that, and I hate to use that wave every season and that stress that goes along with that. Talk to us about that, that ride, because it couldn't have been all, Hey, we went from zero to 106 years and it was all dandy. Like there was, it could have been like, I want it. Why are we doing this? I've never had the thought why we're doing this, but we've never had an, what I would classify as a normal year because we had, I think it was 2018. You may be where we get red tide. Occasionally, mm -hmm. we literally yeah. had red tide for six months. So we was having guests canceling. And it was, and it was nasty. Every time you went outside, you were coughing. It was, your eyes were running. It was, it was nasty. So we had red tide in 2018, 2019. We then had the fear of red tide because guests were not booking until last minute. They were driving down literally. And they was calling us and saying, what's the red tide? Okay. 
no red tide were going to come and they were literally making a decision on like wasn't that the same year that like this these these couple went swimming and like this weird brain thing happened and then they were getting like flesh eating like yeah, skin yeah. and then we got the fear of red tides then obviously we all know about 2020 that we all tried to forget then 2021 was crazy 2022 was crazy and for us locally, our market here in 2023 is we're outperforming where we were at the same time last year by over 20% against 2022. So this year has been insane as well. I really feel for the Fort Myers, Sanibel, Captiva. That could so easily, and that was that storm was coming for us. I know. Fortunately for us, but very unfortunately for them, it turned. But I think not that it would have made any difference because you couldn't do any preparation to really prepare the properties to that level to withstand that level of storm. But because everybody was saying it was coming for us, they were doing the level of preparation that we were. And then last minute it turned. So it really took them by surprise. Quite a bit of business. Like literally like from Siesta Key North, we picked up the business where people's reservations were canceled. So I think that has helped us this year as well. So it's, it really has been a roller coaster. There's been so many highs and lows. How do you prepare for the future with that? With all of the climate mess and everything you hear about what's going on down that way, insurers leaving the state, everyone's in fear of the next crazy hurricane season, right? Insurance is probably the biggest problem. I don't think there's really much you can do to prepare for the next door. It's yeah. obviously, as soon as you hear that there's a potential hurricane building, you're watching it, you're tracking it. We have it on the TV in the office. We're constantly getting updates from the states and from the county on what we need to be doing. We've got a hurricane preparation plan that we've got. And then when we know that there's a storm and if we think there's probably, a, even if it's like less than 50% chance that it's coming for us, we sit down as a group and write, this is the preparation plan. This is when we're going to put that plan in place. And we're out there and we're preparing. I think it's important to have that plan in place. But other than that, I really don't think there's a lot you can do. It's, if it's coming for you and it's going to get you, you just need to be ready for it. Are your owners on board? Do you find a lot of pushback or do they get input in the plan? I think this is something a lot of businesses in your area don't talk about Most a lot. Most of so. our owners are on board. We have called a few owners this year that really didn't fit with our mindset. Um, yeah. So we let those, we cut those owners loose and we let them go. And the one owner that we let go owned two nice properties, but wasn't on board with our Oregon preparation plan. She felt that we went over the top and the amount that we charged that it was really insignificant for doing that she wasn't really happy to pay so we cut that owner loose so we want owners that will work with us and we really are like a, a typical mom and pop shop so it's myself my wife my daughter and my son obviously we've got a big team around us but we really treat our owners and we want our owners to feel like they're part of the family so i know that every property manager will say we treat your owners if it's our own we really think of our owners as part of our family. When they're on the island, they'll always stop in the office and just to say hi, just to catch up. They want to work with us as much as we want to work with them. So if they don't want to be on board with what we're doing, we can obviously discuss it, but we've got lots of competitors on the island. There's probably another property manager that would be better for them. And we're happy to let them go. We've got one owner that's currently wants to do the VRBO thing. She thinks she can do it herself. So she's transitioning away from us. The only other times we've lost the property is when the property has been sold. We've never had an owner that's called me up and say, Adrian, you're not doing what you said you would do. We're moving to XYZ property. That sounds like so We've cut owners loose and we've lost owners when the property has been sold, but we've never had that conversation. 
When it comes to dynamic pricing, Price Labs is a name that keeps coming up in conversations with revenue managers, property managers, and hosts. Price Labs lets you customize your pricing strategies and run your business just the way you want, helping you maximize revenues, save time, and control pricing. It generates reports. That and the fact that it integrates with over 90 plus property management software systems. And with the ability to make direct API integrations, that makes it a no-brainer for me. Price Labs knows that each one of your properties is unique, and that's why its smart calculations take into account the performance of your rentals, occupancy rates in your market, and even your preferences like minimum pricing and like this day. Head over to hello.pricelabs.co forward slash the no BS podcast to snag a free 30-day trial and get a free market dashboard too. Link in the show notes. Use the code the no BS podcast to get your free trial and $10 off your first bill. When I visited, I got a sense of family, literally family there. When you stay, your, your wife and your daughter and your son are there. It was welcoming. It was warm. It was wonderful. And I think that's a huge differentiator. We've talked about it with other good friends of ours, with the, the Madewells. They're a family-run business. You could tell and feel with Andy Bellums up in Sevier County that what they're doing there, it's family. And there's a different feel. It's a different vibe. And homeowners and guests alike want to work and want to stay with property management companies that where they feel at home, where they feel wanted and welcomed. And you guys are doing an exemplary job with that. That's what we try to do. We try, we treat our staff like really as an extension to the family. We are not corporate. And when we're interviewing for somebody, we stress, if you want anything that's slightly corporate, you might as well leave now because you're not going to get corporate. Like I said at the start, we are no BS. Our language probably, it's not very corporate in the office. Sometimes it's a problem. It's, we'll tell people that there's a problem. We deal with it. But if you want corporate, it's not us. If you want a relaxed working environment where you know what you've got to do and you get on and do it, we try not to put any pressure on any member of staff, then Seabridge is the place for you. But if you want anything that's corporate America, we're not that company. That's awesome. In visiting there and seeing what you guys are doing, you guys are exploding as far as keeping things in-house. You had just added laundry when I visited and it was pretty phenomenal. You expanded into a new building, correct? Or, yep. or no, you rehabbed that building. Then Completely rehabbed the building. We just got into contract. We went under contract with the property just as COVID kicked off in March, 2020. Yep. So going back to your question earlier, Matteo, was like, the one thing was like the oh shit moment was, do we do this? How long is this going on for? Do I want to be investing like substantial money into a building and into a facility that we might be closed down for the foreseeable future? But we decided to, let's do it. We need to do it. So we completely remodeled the building. It was three separate units. We split it into two. The one half is our office. The second half is our commercial laundry. Before that, we bought in 2019. In late 2018, sorry, we bought the laundromat on the island because we had two washers and two dryers in the back of our old office. And that was just insane. Once we got like up to 10 properties, you were sat there on the phone and you got the washer, then bing into tell you it had finished. We got girls working in the back folding laundry. It really was like a sweatshop. So we decided to buy the laundromat on the island. That worked at the start. But when we got to about 50 properties, we quickly outgrew the laundromat because we were having cleaners that were working on the island, bringing their laundry to use the coin-operated machines. And our staff was trying to do our laundry in there. We didn't realize that we needed our own dedicated commercial laundry. 
So yeah, that was a big investment, but it was the best decision we made because some people think I'm a control freak and I probably am, but if I own that business or if I control that business or employ that person direct, I can control what they're doing in as much as I can control and manage the guests and the owner's experience. So if I need to pull somebody off from doing something and then put them back onto something else to give that guest or that owner a better experience, we can do that. The last thing that we started was we bought all of our pool service in-house because right. when we look back at the complaints that we were getting, it was guests that were checking in and the pool was dirty. Not that the pool was green, that there was leaves and there was debris at the bottom. So the challenge you have is the island is crazy of a weekend. We always describe it as a bit like if you go on a cruise and everybody's trying to get off the cruise at the morning, then everybody's trying to get back on of an afternoon. Our island's like that. It's only seven miles long. It's less than half a mile wide at its widest point. And we've got two two-lane bridges that everybody needs to come on and off. So it's chaotic. So trying to get a pool guy out on a Saturday to vacuum a pool that he's already done on the Thursday, and then we've had a storm on the Friday, was impossible. So end of last year, we decided if we're going to do pools, we're going to do it properly. We bought a guy on staff. We put him through the training so he knows exactly what he's doing. He's now certified as a pool technician. And he's out there literally five days a week. And we do all, we service all of our pools in the week. And all he does on a Saturday is making sure that every pool where we've got a guest checking in, he's vacuumed and he's clean. Then if we have a guest that calls any day of the week, now we can just send him out to vacuum that pool to give them the, again, the best experience they can possibly get. And we felt the only way to do that was to bring pool service in-house. Love it. It's so smart. So you've added laundry, you've added pools, you've added carts, golf carts, you've added construction. Tell us about Seabreeze construction. What is that just, is this purpose-built stuff or is this Perfect. just- It can be anything. It can be from remodeling a kitchen to a complete custom-built home. We've actually got two homes that uh, one is about to get torn down or complete rebuilt. And the other one is foundations just cutting, just starting to be blocked. And they're custom vacation rental homes that when they come on board, Seabreeze Vacation will be managing them. And it's been able to provide that complete turnkey end-to-end solution. We started doing interior design. So we had an owner that would want to change, have the place painted, change the blinds, change the curtains, do new flooring. We started bringing, we bought that in-house probably two years ago. Then we started to get asked for bigger projects where we needed to like replace the kitchen, replace the bathroom. We needed to pull permits. I'd got a relationship with a local contractor. He actually built my house. He built for our old business. He built our office building there. He wasn't looking to slow down, but he felt that he wanted to do something different. So we reached an agreement and we merged with, so he's like the general contractor. I don't really get involved too much. I probably spend probably two hours a week on that company, but it means that we can offer that complete solution to the owner. So whether you've got a lot of land or you've got a condo that you want to update, we can do that for you. Wow. Now, I know it's impressive. But one of the, because one of the things that stands out in my mind, and, and I want to talk to you about your strategy in a second, it seems like these things are very thought out uh, and very thought through. But for me, it seems like your strategy around building these things internally, along with your idea for scale for your business, seem to make these things work really well. Because I've seen other businesses yep. try and do these things while trying to scale endlessly. And feel miserably because you're trying to do too much. They have the right concept in mind. They don't have the right 
idea around how to make that work for their business and the way that it's going to be successful and gain the ROI that makes bringing a pool house guy in-house make sense, that makes bringing commercial laundry in-house. Because these things make sense if they work for your business, That's right. right? But they could also be very costly. And if correctly, with profitability in mind, they could be you know, money kits uh, as well. They could also sink the ship and force a lot of businesses to have to do things that aren't good for business long term. Talk to me about I think it really comes do down that? to the quality do versus quantity. You obviously need to have enough. I couldn't afford you to have done the in-house laundry if I got 25 properties, but at 100 properties. And yes, and we're doing turns in season. It's every Saturday, but out of season, we all let people check in and out like any day of the week where we can do three and four nights stayed in two of the three cities. Keep that flow. And it's, yes, I have some ideas. And some days I'm not quite sure I've managed to stay married for nearly 30 years. When I sit there with Kathleen, I say, I've got this idea. You see her rolls roll into the back of her head and then we talk it through and then we come up with, yes, financially, what's it going to cost? What do we need to do? And I've had ideas that haven't paid off, haven't paid off. The wrong thing to say is that we haven't actually put into place because it, it wasn't quite right. Either the timing wasn't right. The idea really wasn't going to deliver the results that we wanted. So it, I think it's all about not literally shooting from the hip and like making like fast decisions it's sit down thoughts about it, think about it look at the business plan look at the financials look at how that will impact our business we're working on a couple of other things now that will be different to what anybody else is doing on the island and we're hoping to get them in place by the end of the year but we had the idea and we've been working on it all year it's not yeah we want to do this we want to roll this out next week we want to roll this out when the time is right when the marketing's in place and everything else so it's about timing. And it was exactly the same in our security business. We was like a, in the scale of things, like a tiny little manufacturer, but we were doing, even in the UK and in the US, we were doing all of the big jobs and we were really punching well above our weight, but it was more about if we was to do this to the product, what market can we attack? And then we'd attack that market before we finished developing the product and then have that product ready. So it's really like just employing that same mentality to the vacation rental space and what we were doing with the manufacturing side. You're just thinking, love it. I always say, I don't think outside the box. I live outside the box. If somebody's doing something, I don't want to do the same as them. I want to look at how I can do that differently and potentially better. I, I think that's why we get along so well. Adrian, can you share with us one of those ideas that you decided to not go with that you still think you don't have to, but is there one of those ideas that you decided? This may might not be the, financially viable. The one that we haven't gone with yet is real estate. We've actually got on the outside of our building, we've got sea breeze, vacation rentals, and then there's something that's covered up. <laughs> and the word that's covered up is real estate. That's crazy. I love that. <laughs> At the moment, that's going to take too much of our time. So that's why we're not doing real estate. We do real estate for our owners. And I am a licensed real estate agent, but we've licensed it under somebody else. But we're not like a sea breeze, isn't like a full real estate broker. And that will come in the future, but that's not coming immediately. Um, and that side has been covered up nearly for two years. So that's one of the things that's there. It's on the back burner, but now isn't the time. The things that we need to be doing before we do that. We're excited to to find out whatever this thing you're working on for the end of the year. So you, you'll have to clue yep, us in when we come and crash your house party. Let's not good. let That's John gangster his way into your house in your piece. You <laughs> made for how long? Do not let John. They are very friendly. Yeah, John, we're honest. Believe me, if we don't like you, you would know we don't like us. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I love where you're going. I love how you've gotten here. It's impressive to think that this started from a vacation or not a vacation from a work trip that turned into yep. six annual vacations a year to convincing the missus to actually move here. That was the toughest thing I've ever done, I think, was convincing Captain <laughs> to move. It was as the kids got older, as Ben and Lucy were growing up, they would also want to move here. And they would say, Mom, you're the only one that's stopping us moving. And it wasn't until a good friend came over with us. He arrived, he come to the house, he walked out back, he stood by the pool. And he said, Kathy, he says, why the fuck do you keep going back to England? And it was that sentence that convinced her to think about it. Then she set me the challenge to sell the house and the business. That was like challenge accepted. That was done. And then we wanted to make sure that we moved to the US in a way that we were here forever. So we, we done an investment visa, got our green card. And then five years later, such a sense. So it was, it was a top couple of years in the UK, getting everything sold and getting everything prepared, but it was well worth it to have the life that we've got now on the island. Love it. Can't wait to come visit again. You mentioned wanting to talk about tech working and or not working together. And I, I think it's going to be a great conversation. I think this really stems from like my like previous life with doing electronic security and electronic hardware and software. I've noticed in like the few years that I've been in the space, how tech is really growing, but I get frustrated where tech seems to be growing like a tree and the new branch will grow off that tree and then will disappear off in its own direction. Like I would love a PMS solution that is truly integrated. And we had this back in with surveillance cameras. Like when IP surveillance cameras first came out, every manufacturer got their own protocol. But if you got a camera from manufacturer A, it wouldn't work with manufacturer B recorder. So right. everybody got together and developed a standard. So any recorder, as long as it had supported the standard, could integrate with anybody else's recorder and vice versa. I just find that every PMS has got its own API. Every third-party vendor, whether it's door automation, operation software like Breezeway, Care, they integrate with the PMS, but they don't truly integrate with the PMS. Like when we have a new member of staff, like the training is a nightmare, right? On a Saturday, you've got a guest that wants to check in early. Okay. You need to log into the software to be able to see if that property is now clean. Is it inspected? Yes, it is. So then you need to go to the door lock software and change the door lock time. Then you need to send that, that guest a text or give that guest a call. There's no automation because the systems aren't truly integrated. Well, it, to me, you should be able to log into the PMS. You should be able to unlock the door for the property. You should be able to change the guest door code. I'm not saying that the PMS needs to be talking directly to the lock. The PMS should still talk to the lock software or the, the smart home software. But I think you should have more control from within the PMS. You should be able to, and messaging drives me insane because you send a text message from the, the software like Easy Care Breezeway, that's sent from one number. We send a message from the PMS, it sends another number. You have a message a text messaging on the office number. That doesn't integrate with anything. It's just so just deep fragmented. I think it would be great if there was like an alliance put together of all the manufacturers that they got together and they just said, This is what we need to do, whether it's a standard API, whether it's a, just some standardization to give that flexibility there's a real opportunity to get closer. Are we going to have total, complete dive with everyone working? No. But does closer matter? 
What's the point of being closer if it doesn't get you to the? I think there'll be enough options with a certain direction or so that everything can be accomplished in a way that most people will be happy. I think that the problem is there are some very large conglomerates, some very large buyers that have come in and have brought things under their roof. One large company that might have 10 or 12 different companies underneath them and another large company that might have five or six large companies underneath them, there's still going to be a divide where their partners or the entities that they own, they're going to want to keep separate from the entities that the, hey, I'll say it, the Inhabits and the Travel Nets are two very large companies here in this space. And they have different pieces underneath them that they consider preferred partners. And the other company has different pieces underneath them that they consider preferred partners. And they're working very hard to make internally their group work seamlessly as far as the API. And it takes a while because you have to rebuild the, the infrastructure behind it. You have to rebuild the code for all of it to work. And I know Inhabit's been working hard on this. And I know that TravelNet's doing the same type of thing. But one company is not letting another payment processor in. They're letting like legacy stuff of a payment processor in, but not full access to the new set payment processor. And then the other side, they're not allowing full access to a, a revenue management thing they have. So it's, it's interesting because when you got two heavyweights that are battling it out, there's always going to be, if we do that, then we lose this. And so I think that what it's going to take, it's going to take some, I don't say unknown, but it's going to take some development of other solutions that people are going to take, oh shit, what are they doing? They're building something pretty cool here. And these other solutions being open to a more unified, more clean API, more inclusive API, and then getting momentum to shift their direction for the, for everyone to go ahead and potentially come on board with this. What do you think, Adrian? I think you're right. What I'm seeing from, definitely from one of the two, I can't really speak for the one, but even I'll say like the Inhabit group. I'm not seeing tight integrations there between their companies that they own. It's as if they're still run somewhat separately and with different development teams. And it's, I'm just not seeing the tight integration after what, five years that I was expecting to see. The one that I think might have something up his sleeve is Marcus from Osterway. I mm. would like to know what he's going to do with his 175 million. I met with him back in San Antonio. We was at some beers and ideas event. Yeah. And we sat down and Marcus didn't know him, had no idea who he was. He sat down, introduced himself and he introduced himself as the warrior. He said, I'm the warrior that they send out. He said, to talk to people like you, he says, to talk to everybody here, to find out what their frustrations are. And I'll be honest, I forgot that his name was Marcus. We used to refer to him as the warrior. The warrior. Because that was the way he introduced with, himself. With the gray hair. And I, when I learned that he got the 175 million, I thought if I was a PMS company or somebody in this space. I'll be a bit nervous on what he's actually planning from what he's learned. He sat there for probably 20, 30 minutes and just listened to what we got to say. And then later that night, I saw him sat down with somebody else, probably asking them the same questions, picking their brains as well. So I think he's actually spent a few years absorbing from the market what people really need. And to have somebody back him for that amount of money, he's got some compelling story. He's got some compelling plan. I'm just interested to see what that will be. And I think it will take somebody like that or somebody else to pull some of these 
companies that are not part of one of the two big groups together and work closer with them to be able to provide that, that not one-stop shop, but that one platform. You just need one user interface for the guy that's out in the phone. There's, not having to click up into 20 different things to do simple tasks. It's going to be super interesting because, and we should take bets on how this is going to work. <laughs> one, is it ever going to happen? Number two, is it going to happen by one company? I actually think there's going to be some sort of third-party solution that's going to be the bridge that yep. people can log into, keep their secrets. The bridge will translate the common API that pushes everything out. There already are some. That are more accessible. I think that will become the norm, right? I'm talking to one this week. I feel like that will be the adoption because honestly, the reason I think that is because it takes away that ownership part. It gives people the ability to keep what they feel is their proprietary technology in there. And it also will allow them the space to it allow the image of like you to actually get what you're looking for and not really give a shit about the other side that these companies are trying to figure out, protect or do whatever. Because yep. at the end of the day, you don't care other than the fact that you want your things to work seamlessly. These things need to make your life easier, make your staff easier, make your training easier, make your experience easier. So you can do your job better, right? So you can focus on the things that you need to focus on. And to throw a caveat in there, I think AI is going to fuck it all up too. I think AI is going to yep. change the way that a lot of this shit works and a lot of- It already is, is, man. It's so interesting. I forgot to mention Guesty and everything they're doing and they're another powerhouse. So let's not forget the Guesty, the Inhabit, the travel net, and then let's not- and the house Marcus and yeah. that whole team. From what I heard, and again, hearsay, there was five or six, seven different companies that were, so there's a bidding war to go ahead and to get that valuation. I'm curious to know who owns majority at Hostaway. It is my understanding, and I'll just say that the prior leadership no longer owns majority. If I'm wrong, please correct me. Marcus, if you're listening, please correct me. I would like to go ahead and make it correct. Well, what does that mean, right? Travelnet, the majority ownership is no longer Travelnet, it's Blue Star. Right. And inhabit all these individual companies, part of inhabit, the majority ownership is not these individual companies anymore. It's inhabit. And then with Guesty, they raised a ton of money and they've acquired Kigo. So they're a big player, but they threw a ton of money of their race. What were they? If I remember correctly, 110 million. I heard they threw almost half of that towards their Guesty pay. This is separating, not making it easier. I don't know. There's so much. There's so much. Talking about technology, Adrian, I think your voice is more important than John and ours. We just get to sit back and look at it. You have to be elbows deep in using these things day to day. So as these systems change, as these systems consolidate and technology becomes more integrated and your PMS becomes more robust, right? And can do more yep. things, right? That's always been the ask, right? We need the PMS that can be the one-stop shop, the one portal, right? However that happens to help you run your business. It's going to be interesting to see as this space condenses, what rises to the top in, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be you. At the end of the day, that is going to be determining. It doesn't matter what the fuck John and I think, unless we're managing no BS housing somewhere or no BS vacation. With that, I don't think anyone's going to have to worry about anytime soon. But Adrian, do you? It's interesting because you hear that input in. I can hear that experience that you had with Marcus was a great guy in that approach. Do you feel that from the other technology providers in this space? What I see from the technology providers is. 
you need to do it their way. There's some software that we would potentially like to change out, but you talk to the vendor and it's, we operate in this way. No, we don't operate in that way. No, we don't have that feature. We don't have this. We signed up with two different vendors two years ago at BRMA International in San Antonio, and they promised us features that they would add two years on. We're still not seeing those features. We've invested substantial money with these two vendors and we're still not seeing We've got some of the features, but we haven't got all of the features that they promised to deliver in the contract. It's like their way or the highway. And I don't think as a PM, every PM business, even on the island, nobody else runs their business like us. There's no way that even down in Siesta Key, there's probably the next location where there's a good number of property managers. It's a completely different market. Their their businesses will be running a different way. Yeah. A PM can't run their business the way the software has been designed. And a lot of these software companies, it's software engineers that are making these decisions, not property managers. What's interesting about that, I came on with Direct five months ago, six months ago now. I spent my first two months just working on gap analysis, where Direct is compared to the other software. What do we need to go ahead and add? What features do property managers want and need that, that we are not delivering on? to be able to compete and offer a, a property management solution that works for everybody, not just a certain mindset. So I tried to come in with a different approach, built an advisory board where we flew advisors from different softwares that are sick of their software and met with them. And we had investors and current direct users and really sat down to understand their wants and needs and their frustrations with their current solution show them our roadmap, where we're going, and to pick their brain to say, hey, if you were to build this, how would you build it? And can we deliver on that tomorrow? No. Can we deliver it on it by the end of the year? Most of it. It's pretty exciting where we're going. So I think it's a comparable approach to, to what Marcus is doing or was doing and is sitting down and he's listening. We give a shit. I think that when you're small and you're lean and you have the ability to pivot, and you're not owned by a ton of money that came in an investment group that is forcing your hand. And you got to do this because I need to go ahead. We need to see some sort of return by here. Then you can actually make decisions that can move the needle for property managers, not just for software. And I think that's what's going to drive and potentially change the industry for the better. We'll see. We're trying really for us to do this. Yep. And I think that's what the industry needs. I think it needs, again, software companies that think outside the box. Like at VRMA, you walk down the aisle and it's like, same shit, different booth. And everybody is telling you that they're better than the guy down the street. It's like websites drive me crazy in the VM space. A custom site, as they call it. But it's not a custom site. It's just a modified template. So everybody's website looks, feels the same. I've got some frustrations around the websites in the VM space. And I think people are just providing the system or the software that they think that people need. And I think because the VM space, everybody is so relatively new. And I was like this at the start. You see something shiny, you run off in that direction. And the ones that are running in that direction, everybody else is like a sheep and they just follow. So you have a vendor that's doing a good job with marketing and getting the attention that gets the shiny people and then the sheep follow. And then all of a sudden, everybody is using that same system, that same solution. 
that's not necessarily the best, but they've done the best job at marketing and they've attracted the people. And I definitely see that. I'm more interested in talking to the vendors where they haven't got 50 people stood around the booth. I want to see what they're doing that's different. Hey, Dibby, so the, that booth that had 50 people around it, that's when Schwabi went ahead and grabbed you and pulled you. And that's when I said I was like that shiny person at the start. Well, that was me then. And at PMS, I'm very happy with it. And it would take a lot for me to move. It would. Yeah. For, for me to move PMSs would be, that would be, I'll be honest, I'll be nervous sitting down with the team here to say, I've had this idea. I want to change the PMS. I'd probably start throwing things at me to be honest. It's um, that other just conversation with your wife that you're really nervous about. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It'd probably no, be harder to convince her to switch software than it would be to convince her to move from the UK. <laughs> Honestly, I want John to just drive because I want to see you throw things at him. Like that, <laughs> that would be super enjoyable for me. I can't highlight enough one of the things that you said in terms of the listening aspect of hearing what's going on. I think there is a lot of FOMO culture in our space. Like we look at the bright, shiny objects, not look at necessarily what's right for you specifically and for your business. And, you know, I think our challenge to the other side too, and it's to the vendor side, but we all come from is listen, right? Listen to your customers and your potential customer base. So we understand there's guide rails and things that you have to follow, but businesses don't have to force their customers into doing it business their way. It, you know how that works historically. As soon as they're able to break free and somebody provides a different option, Right? Like there's no reason to stay, right? There's no stickiness. There's no loyalty, especially if you have to tell somebody it's our way or the highway. Peace out. Well, no, it's like an abusive relationship, right? Like at that point, it becomes an abusive relationship and you're like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of here? And as soon as that door opens and you can run the freedom, you go. Adrian, this has been fantastic. Really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. And please send my love to your family. And excited to see you at your vacation rental in Orlando. We'll bring lots of people. And that's the idea. You've been fantastic and excited for you to be able to join the pod. Yeah. Nope. Thank you for inviting me. I've been trying to do it for a while. I'll be able to make our schedules work. We'll be watching you go from here. Man, I know this is not the last time we'll connect.